there are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. I wonder if uh, we should reword that line or two. There are two sides, the propaganda side and the truth. Because, you know, the propaganda is just so thick, and it is so deep, and it is so pervasive. It is so in so many places. It's just, you know, it's not just coming from the DNC and from the White House and from the Democrat-controlled Congress. It's coming from every media branch, print, uh, online, uh, broadcast media, all of it. It is being done in corporations, woke corporations, in our academic institutions. It's the, the same propaganda messages getting pushed every single day from every single corner of the political sphere. Um, that's what it is. It's propaganda. It's not even a battle of ideas or ideology anymore. It's propaganda. Uh, and that's, that's, that's pretty terrifying, to be quite honest with you. Because the purveyors of the worst political propaganda in world history um, ended up becoming some of the most dangerous, deadly, uh, authoritarian regimes in, in, uh, in world history. Hour number two is underway. We're going to forego our traditional Reagan Open because I want to get right to our guest. I call it our Strongsville Republican Club. I call it a Strongsville Republican Party. What I should probably call it is the Strongsville GOP. I was honored to be able to speak to this great organization last month, and I am really excited about what's coming up this month, in particular this Saturday. And here to tell us more about it is uh, the president or chair, rather, of the uh, Strongsville GOP, Shannon Burns. Shannon, good morning. Good to have you back on our program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, so, wow, it was such a great event. I had such a nice time talking to the great people uh, there uh, at your club uh, meeting or at the Strongsville GOP meeting last month. You told me then, and you made an announcement then about some of the names of the um, speakers who are going to be in attendance, speakers and attendees who are going to be at the Great Ohio Political Summit uh, that you are holding. And you talked about inviting virtually every candidate for the GOP Senate seat that is being vacated by Rob Portman. You talked about a couple of other big names, but since you and I talked at that time, you have added one of the biggest names in America when it comes to conservative politics and punditry. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, we sure have. And, and first off, I really do appreciate our, our members, our great patriots in Strongsville and around the city, Loved having you out. It was it was awesome. I think we I think you packed that place. I think we had 350 people in the Brugard in Strongsville that day, and it was it was is what we expected. as great entertainment and great thoughts. So one of my one of my favorite there. one of my favorite events that I've spoken at. To be honest with you, I, I do a lot of these things uh, and uh, uh, you know as much as I can anyway. And that was one of my favorites. The audience was phenomenal. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're right. We we've uh, you know, since you and I talked about it, we've had. A couple great developments, and like you said, we we focused on bringing the U.S. Senate candidates and the, the candidates for governor and, and Congress together. And I'll, I'll share a couple things about you know, some insight about uh, who who decided to uh, show and who decided not to show. Uh, but before that, uh, talked about uh, the big names that we've added, and one you probably don't know about yet. Uh, we are very fortunate to have none other than Candace Owens joining us on stage this Saturday in Strongsville. In person, right? We're not going to do any of these uh, virtual meetings. It's in person. Hundreds of fellow uh, Republicans and conservatives uh, get together and, and hear from these candidates. And Candace is actually going to spend full hour on stage um, 
and, and take a ton of questions from the audience, just like she loves to do. So it'll be, that'll be an exciting time. And then, you know, because let, let me, let me jump in there end. for a second, Shannon, if I may. Okay. This is sure. a, this is a day long event pretty much, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much sun up to sundown. It's like a, it's almost like a convention. Yeah, yeah it's going to start at 9 a.m. Uh, in Strongville at Mashad's and it's going to end at five o'clock. Um, and you know, the, every uh, every single candidate that, that gets on our stage has to listen to the voters. So they're going to speak for 15 minutes, and then you're going to have 10 minutes to ask them questions, ask them the tough questions. Uh, so no one's going to get off our stage without having the chance that's, to really be uh, be held account to uh, the voters. That's important to know. And the reason I brought up the the duration here, and you can give me the more specifics on it as you go, but I wanted to make sure to ask this before I forget: is will there be an order? of the rundown of the candidates. So in the event that somebody can spend two hours, but not eight at this event, uh, that they can be there for the two hours that they wish. Will people know when everybody's speaking or is it going to kind of be on the fly? Yep. No, the, the actual agenda is going to be published tonight at okay. ohiopoliticalsummit.org. And uh, it, you haven't even let me get to the uh, the next piece, which uh, is something that happened to you. I'm sure we're going to talk about the vote on Friday because, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was an important vote of the state party that we had. But after that vote, I got a I got a call, and uh, that call was from none other than the Trumpiest uh, Congressman Matt Gates and his team. They uh, they wanted to come up and speak because they heard about all the great things that are happening. So Matt Gates is also going to be speaking on Saturday now. Wow! So we talk are we talking about heavy hitters here. First, you mentioned Candace Owens, who, as I described earlier, is one of the most popular and well respected, especially youthful. She's 31 years old, youthful, conservative uh, uh, commentators in America, and people are screaming and so thrilled that she'll be 35 in April of 2024. Yep. So she'll be eligible to yep. be on a ticket or heading a ticket or whatever <laughs> if that was to be something to be considered. So you've got Candace and now Matt Gates, who's in the news for a lot of other reasons beyond his you know, pro-America yep. first policies as well. So this is, this is a bit of a surprise, I have to say, that uh, Congressman Gates wants to come out while there are so many things swirling about him. Yep. Well, I think that there's, uh, I think that's much to do about nothing. You, one thing we know about the FBI these days is when they have <laughs> something, they indict you. When they don't, they hold a press conference. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that tells me all I need to know, you know with the modern day FBI. So, well, you know um, what it tells me know, too, that, Shannon? It tells me, um, a lot more about Matt Gates. He's not hiding yeah. from from allegations, especially if they are, and he truly knows the truth, uh, that they are much ado about nothing. He's not going to hide from it. He's not going to be deterred from his regular routine of interviews and coming out and speaking events. You know, he nobody in, nobody in Florida, or excuse me, nobody in Ohio can vote for him in Florida. So he has no reason to come yeah. up here. This isn't politically motivated to stump for votes. He's coming up here because of the cause, and and I think that's yeah. huge. And he's coming up here to support President Trump. Uh, because he he's one of the biggest defenders of President Trump, and and he wants to make sure that uh, the actions that that happened, the vote of uh, January 13th, is everyone remembers, right? We don't forget about it. So that there's no doubt that that that's one of his biggest motivators to come up. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, referring to is the the vote in in Friday. I don't know if you were planning to talk about that, but I think there was a, a huge uh, a huge change in Ohio politics to see the state party in Ohio vote, not only the censure of the 10 betrayal caucus members that voted to impeach the president, the Republicans that did, but now also that the state party in Ohio, uh, based on a resolution I put forward, called for a vote of no confidence and the resignation of Anthony Gonzalez as uh, 
the congressman of the 16th district. Huge, huge news, and it's amazing that uh, the state party uh, had moved that way, and it's great, to, uh, the, the leadership of Bob Paduchik. Well, you know, I'm I'm glad I was going to let you bring it up, and I'm glad you did, Shannon, because you were part of it. You were among those voting on this. So let's talk about what that meant. Uh, first of all, it's it's largely symbolic because he isn't forced to resign. It's just a call for his resignation. Secondly, it's it's five months too late, in my opinion. Uh, this should have been done uh, the way the way it was done in many of the other states where the uh, other I love what you call them by the way the betrayal caucus other members of the betrayal caucus had been censured and had cries for their resignation from their various states a long time ago Ohio's uh, leadership did not Ohio the ORP did not do it so considering it came as late as it did is there as much teeth to it if there was any teeth at all anyway. Well, here's my thought, is that we, we could definitely have a conversation about how much teeth there is to it, but here's what matters, in my mind. Republicans, remember, we're not going to forget what happened. Gonzalez is banking on the fact that we're going to forget. He's, gonna, he's thinking that a year from now, whenever the primary finally happens, that the impeachment vote will be in the rearview mirror and no one will think about it. Well, uh, we're here to say that in Strongsville GOP uh, started this uh, back on February 8th, and, you know, when we voted originally unanimously to, to call on him to resign, and now the state party of Ohio has done that. And I think that's, that speaks volumes, that while, while it may not have happened uh, when I wanted it to earlier on, uh, it happened now, and that makes a really fine and hard statement that the Republican Party and, and the supporters of uh, Republicans and conservatives aren't going to forget that this congressman broke his oath of office and voted to impeach our president for no reason with no due process. Well, you know, he's he's sorely mistaken if he thinks people are going to forget, because I promise you there are a lot of people like me in the media and in the conservative media they are going to make sure they remember. I mean, literally, right after you guys made that vote on Friday, I reposted my interview with Anthony Gonzalez that was held the day after his vote, uh, in which I, I tried to really get a response from him. How could you do this? What is your justification? And held his feet to the fire. I think his answers... Um, are going to crush him. I think his answers to the questions in that interview are going to be the beginning of the end of his political career, and I think that vote you just held on Friday is part of that. Now, having said that, um, let me ask you this, and we'll tie this into the rest of the guests, because you said a moment ago you were going to tell us people who have been invited and those who have accepted or not accepted thus far. Sure. Uh, and sure. I think I know where you're going with that, so I want to ask you about this. You credited Bob Paduchik for holding this vote and this uh, and 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 uh, and the censorship and the call for the resignation of of Anthony Gonzalez. His predecessor in that chair or in that seat, rather, as Ohio chair, uh, is is Jane Timken. Now, Jane Timken, rather than condemn, actually supported and offered some kind words to Anthony Gonzalez after that vote, claiming he's a good congressman who had a rational reason for his vote. So for me, that has been one of the reasons, Shannon Burns of the uh, Strongsville GOP, that I don't want anything to do with Jane Timken in the United States Senate. But other Ohio GOP leaders that I have spoken to that I cannot name have suggested they truly believe that a Trump endorsement for Timken is going to be coming. How do we put all of that together? A, con- a congressman who voted to impeach him without due process, uh, uh, an ORP chair who supported that congressman, and now uh, you know the president potentially endorsing that former ORP chair, uh, ORP chair turned Senate candidate Jane Timken. Any thoughts on that convoluted mess, Shannon? Well, it is convoluted, and, and I don't know. You know, there, we could all speculate about it. Let me just share some facts that I think are relevant. Okay. You know, 
there, there's a couple things. As I was looking at uh, Gonzalez's uh, finance report, because you know I'm a sort of a political nerd, Bob, and I, I, I do those things. You know, at, at night while everyone's watching the movie, I'm sitting there looking at the finance report to see who donated to uh, the, uh, this congressman who voted to impeach our president. And you know what drove me is really interesting was that finance chair for for Timken donated to Gonzalez through his PAC and personally afterwards. After the vote. That blew my mind. After the impeachment vote. vote. Wow. Yep. I did not know that. blew my mind. And and to see see that happen, I I think that that's that's a, uh, you know, that's a a mixed message there that I'm disappointed in. Um, And I know that people in Strongsville and in Strongsville GOPR as well. You know, know, that being said, I I think that there's, you know, it's it's pretty clear where where Jane has come out and, and publicly she supported the censure vote, but... You know, more importantly, I think right now, as I look back to Friday, Bob Paduchik was a hard pre- – he was fighting hard to make sure we censured Gonzalez and was, was uh, I, I think, by my, my view of him, was pretty happy about the resignation vote as well. So that, that was great to see, and he was uh, a huge fighter on behalf of conservatives. Uh, so, you know, that, Shannon, you know, I've got forward, I've got music playing spot. here. I've got music playing here saying we're done, but I don't think we're done. I still want to talk more about the summit coming up on Saturday and talk about those acceptances and uh, those who declined uh, invitations to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Can you, can you hang for for a minute here? Sure. Okay, let's continue on the other side of this. Shannon Burns going to stick with us here. Shannon is the head of the Strongsville GOP, which is hosting the 2021 Ohio Political Summit coming up on Saturday, and we'll be back with him in a moment. Okay, 1025, I've got four and a half minutes left to continue with Shannon Burns of the uh, Strongsville GOP hosting the largest grassroots GOP, or excuse me, they are the largest grassroots GOP organization in Ohio. They are hosting the 2021 Ohio Political Summit coming up this Saturday. And as Shannon already announced, special guest speakers include Florida Congressman Matt Gates. You probably already heard that Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert would be there and just announced this weekend Candace Owens, uh, one of the most uh, well-respected and rising stars in political commentary and punditry uh, in America. So, Shannon, let's talk about the politicians now. You have invited all Senate candidates to to be there to... Uh, you know, in the primary, the potential primary race for uh, Rob Portman seat, some have accepted, some have not. I'll let you take it from there. Sure. Yeah, we we focused on the Senate race and the governor's race, and and, and to the, the to extent as well the congressional race in the 16th district. We wanted to make sure that our supporters and, and Republican voters from around the state had an opportunity to hear directly from all these candidates, compare them against each other, and then get them to ask them questions. And that was the important part: is that if you're going to come on our stage. Yeah, you've got some time to talk, but you've got to stand there and take questions from the audience at least 10 minutes a time. Um, so we invited uh, 10 candidates for U.S. Senate. Uh, those that uh, accepted um, in alphabetical order, I'm not showing any favoritism here. Sure. You've got Mike Gibbons. You've got Congressman Bill Johnson. You've got a former state treasurer, Josh Mandel, businessman Bernie Marino, businessman Mark Pukita, and businessman J.D. Vance. Um, there were three candidates that declined. Um, you've got State Senator Matt Dolan, who I hear is uh, announcing very soon to, to run. Uh, you've got former Ohio GOP Chair Jane Timken, and then uh, Congressman Mike Turner. And those are the Turner uh, had told us early on he had a conflict; he was going to be, be out. Um, 
those, those are the ones, bit of a surprise for some of those uh, declines. On the governor's side... Did you get got, any reason, uh, if I may? I'm sorry, hold on. You said Mike Turner declined because of a conflict. Get it? That's fine. Did you get any reason from Timken or Dolan? Um, I think uh, Dolan didn't give a reason. He's, he's, I think, still, my impression, still figuring out whether you get in the race. Okay. Uh, I, I think he will be. Um, Timken uh, said that, you know, ultimately, after my, many conversations, said that they've got an event down in... Uh, in Columbus, and I offered at that point that they could do it virtually, just like uh, one of the other candidates is actually doing it virtually, mm-hmm. uh, because they've got a wedding out of state, um, and never heard back on the offer to do it uh, virtually. And I did the same with Turner as well, and I hadn't heard back either uh, okay. from them on, on, on doing it virtually. Obviously, that's a, a pretty viable option. Just wanted to find out if there's any acrimony there because of, well, some of the things we've talked about, especially in the Timken camp. Now, Governor, uh, uh, who's coming and who di- who isn't? So uh, you've got Joe Blystone and Jim Renacy. They're going to be on stage. And uh, declined were Warren Davidson and, of course, our Governor Mike DeWine declined. <laughs> Did they offer a reason? Uh, not not so much. No. <laughs> In fact, uh, ne- neither of them really gave much of an answer at all. Okay. I was just curious so I'm about not, the DeWine I'm not side. Really sure whether, uh, I'm not really sure whether uh, Warren Davidson's in the race or not. From my opinion, he, he might be. There's a lot of people, it seems to me, that he's just looking for publicity. Um, and then, uh, you know, governor's folks just declined without uh, comment. Without comment. I've kind of figured that. And then on the Congress side, for the 16th seat that is currently held by Anthony Gonzalez, uh, tell us about right, that. Right, right. Yeah, so we, we invited Doug Gonzalez. We thought this was a good opportunity for him to get in front of hundreds, if not a thousand, uh, uh, voters from in the district, uh, explain, you know, maybe he's got a good reason for it. Um, you know, after a couple of conversations back and forth, he declined. Um, and then we also have, uh, Max Miller, the Trump administration appointee that's been endorsed by President Trump. Uh, he'll be on stage. And then Jonah Schultz, who's a conservative activist, will be on stage as well. I'm really glad that both of those gentlemen are going to be there because I like them both a lot. There's a lot to like about both of them. It's going to be very, very tough there. But I find it interesting, and we'll wrap with this, uh, Shannon Burns, and thank you so much for all the information here. Um, as I look at the list of those who declined to speak to hundreds, if not thousands, of people at the Ohio Political Summit, uh, the team of Timken, DeWine, and Gonzalez are among those who um, who declined. And I find that very, very interesting because that is a team of individuals uh, that I think are very, very like-minded. Jim, or, excuse me, Jane Timken has supported virtually every destructive decision that Mike DeWine and his health department has made in 14 months uh, of, uh, of of COVID response. Uh, Jane Timken counseled, not counseled, but praised publicly. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez after the vote uh, to impeach DeWine, and then Anthony Gonzalez, of course, did that. They are three people who are telling the voters, nope, not going to appear before you, probably because they know they have no possible way of justifying some of their actions. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I do find that interesting too, Bob. I mean, as you look at it, you start to, you start to qu- scratch my head a bit and figure out why certain people would decline. I mean, some of them are obvious, and some of them are, aren't definitely not very obvious to me why they would. I mean, this is the only time this year that probably all of these candidates be on the same stage at the same time. Uh, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, I, I really uh, appreciate you have, talking about it. I think it's, it's a monumental opportunity for conservatives to get out there and, and hear from these candidates. And I'll tell you what, you know, OhioPoliticalSummit.org 
has the opportunity to buy tickets to come into Strongsville at Mashad's and see this uh, online or see it in person. But also, if people aren't interested in or can't make it all day, they can also watch online and, and have a ticket. There's a $20 ticket for uh, wa- for uh, watching the entire event online and you'll be able to watch it afterwards as well. Well, you anticipated my close to the interview. I'm staring at that screen right now, ohiopoliticalsummit.org. There is a ticket. There's four tabs at the top of that page. One of them is tickets. Click that. You'll see what I'm seeing right now. Uh, general admission seating, opportunity to purchase the online streaming only, uh, even seat upgrades and memberships available there, too. So uh, make sure you go to ohiopoliticalsummit.org. This is enormous. Candace Owens, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, all of the gubernatorial 16th Senate, or excuse me, 16th seat congressional and Senate candidates all going to be on hand there. Uh, this is a, such an important point for this, uh, the Republican Party and uh, in the state of Ohio. Shannon Burns, head of the uh, Strongsville GOP that's hosting the entire thing. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks for coming on, and here's to a great event on Saturday. As always, thank you so much, Bob. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fans of yours out in Strongsville, so we'd love to have you back out again sometime soon. Well, I may be there on Saturday as well. I'll tell you what, I don't know if I can miss this myself, so you might have to set a ticket aside for me, and I'll get you my credit card number as soon as I can. Uh, uh, Shannon, thank you. great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Shannon Burns uh, joining us here on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get news and come back to you. 216-901-0945, right after this. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Now 1038. A little late coming back, but that's okay. We had a lot of very important information there with Shannon Burns. The rest of the program is yours. 22 minutes of outstanding awesome. Make it yours. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Don't forget, when you can't get through live on the radio, leave me a message at 216-525-1806. That's the authority message line. And I look forward to getting great messages off the air that we can then sometimes address on the air. Cheryl, calling us from somewhere in Northeast Ohio. She's been waiting since the first hour. I didn't realize that. My apologies, but go right ahead. Thank you, Bob. It's my pleasure to wait. Love your show, and God bless our police officers and everyone who puts on the uniform to serve our country. Amen. So, thank you. We've got situation on Friday we had a our local school where my daughter attends give us a call the nurse called and said hey were you expecting my phone call I said no why well I have your daughter here in isolation she has been exposed to someone with COVID I said well, well how do you know tell me the story I don't know anything about this so they said that she was possibly exposed at lunch possibly because they were sitting too close possibly because they were talking I don't know they had to, they called, they said we had to come get her immediately. Immediately. I was furious with the nurse. I said, please get my daughter out of isolation. This is not a prison and she is not a prisoner. Well, that didn't matter. We still had to come get her. They said because she's been exposed. And even though we went and got a negative test, we have the proof. They have no proof that she was even exposed to anyone that had COVID. They won't let her come back into school until May 18th. Completely shut her out. 
won't let, let, me, her, let, let, her let, me, let me ask you to repeat that part again. Did you say she had a negative test? A negative test, Bob. We spent our Mother's Day yesterday going to take care of that so that we had our proof and we wanted peace of mind. We wanted them to have peace of mind and they won't let her back in. Doesn't and matter if she had a negative test. A negative test. How old is your daughter? She's 12. So what's that, about sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh Correct. grade? Six, sixth okay. grade, sixth grade. So they're taking your junior high age daughter, isolating her against her will and against your uh, uh, approval, then telling her, even though you have a negative COVID test, which means you are a healthy person and you cannot possibly, this isn't an asymptomatic uh, um, positive person. This is a tested negative person. Therefore, meaning you do not have the virus, they're still going to force a quarantine until May 18th? Correct. And... This is, to me, not only is it isolation, it's like you described it, almost like an illegal detainment. It is child abuse, Bob. It is horrific. It is disgusting. It's horrifying. Does that mean I can call any school now with any sort of allegation, with no proof, nothing to verify it, all innuendo, all hearsay, and well, just make well, what an is, accusation? What is, their, what is their justification? What after you told them, hey, we went ahead and took her, just so you mm-hmm. are aware that she's clean, she's not you know, uh, going to get anybody sick, uh, and we had the negative test proof right here. <laughs> what did they say in response? Well, the superintendent responded with the guidelines, which are exactly what I sent to him. I say the guideline says that even if, you're, even if you're exposed to a confirmed case, you don't have to quarantine. And he says that the, the problem, supposedly, that she was not in a classroom setting. They think she might have been exposed at lunch. What's the difference? Who cares and if she also- has a positive or a negative test now? That's right. That's exactly right. We've got negative tests. He said that doesn't matter either, so we had a response for that, because many students test negative only to test positive several days later. Well, well, if that's the case, why isn't the entire school on quarantine? That's what I want to know. They selectively, arbitrarily picked a a girl here, a boy there. That's what I asked my daughter. I said, who did they pick? She said anyone they thought she might have been in contact with. I'm like, well, she's in contact with everybody at school in a classroom. Why is That's when I called the doctor's office, too. I asked about getting the test. They said, well, did they send the whole school home? I said, no, they selectively picked. And I don't understand this for the life of me. I'm horrified, and I'm angry, and I'm sad. You, I mean, my you, daughter sound, you sound horrified. You sound angry. You sound sad. You sound all of the above. And you also don't sound shy. So here's what I want to ask and take this in the spirit it's intended, not as a criticism of you, but a legitimate question. Have you had any uh, occasion to be at odds with the school administration in the past? Have you ever been a person who has complained about something or defended your child's rights about something or criticized a school board decision? Any of those kinds of things? So that's a really fair question, and I understand why you're asking it, because even my own dad was asking me, could they possibly get him back at me for retaliation? Bingo. We had very, very pointed discussions with our superintendent, who is generally seems to be a nice guy, face-to-face meetings and emails back and forth, me saying, kids need to be in school, you need to open up the schools, please open them immediately, as soon as possible, whenever you can. And, and so those are my discussions. Never, never threatening, never offensive, never attacking, just begging for the schools to be open for the sake of the kids. That might be enough for the retaliation. Even if you were kind and, and, and professional and responsible mm-hmm. and civil in your discourse, just your acknowledgement of your more conservative-minded points of view 
that say don't, you know, because that's who it is. I mean, conservatives have said from the start here, do not lock everybody down. Do not deprive these kids of uh, opportunities, et cetera. The school should be open. Even if you're saying it kindly, you're opening yourself up by, to, you know, to potential cancel culture or other repercussions because you have said, I'm conservative and I don't want my, I treasure and value mine and my child's liberty more than your fear. Even if you say that civilly or in better terms, and I'm just paraphrasing here, it just, they probably don't think very much of you and they're going to take it out on you and your daughter as a result ah here's the daughter who may have been exposed but this is the daughter of a woman who has come to us and had pointed conversations i think is how you described it uh demanding that the schools be open clearly she doesn't understand the threat she doesn't believe in covid she's one of these deniers let's kick her kid out of school i i don't know what school you're talking about i don't know the superintendent but in my very, very superficial analysis of what you've told me before. I feel like you might be being punished just because you're a conservative believer in liberty. I'd like to think better of that, but it is a very real possibility. I guess I've loudly and proudly given myself away as a conservative and someone who believes that their kids should be educated in a school system, in an open school. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, that, and, and, and there's a lot of... And there's a lot of people in the educational world, both teachers, unions, and administration, who don't like you and don't like that and don't like being told what to do, don't like being told you need to put your health at risk by being in person and all the other things that they say. Since there's no science, none, zero, to justify putting your daughter in this isolation or now at-home quarantine, none because she has a negative test, then the only other answer, if it isn't science, is, is political. This is politically driven. This is an angry administration uh, that doesn't like the viewpoints of this outspoken parent. And if we have an opportunity to lay the hammer down on her and her family, that's what we're going to do. That's what it sounds like to me. If I were you, and I don't, I'm not you, and I don't know how serious you take this, but if I were you and knew an attorney, I would call. I would call and see, can you make a phone call, send a letter, do something, and talk to these administrators about my rights? Because I, I think that that's is, what's going on here. I, I was hoping maybe in the audience we could reach some people. Honestly, I'm, I'm not going to you know, hide that fact. I, I, I am to that point where I think this is worth every fight, every ounce of fight that I have in me for the rights of kids. I mean, this is, like I said, I, I believe it's abuse, at least emotional abuse. My daughter came home in tears. She was singled out. She was humiliated. She was plucked <clears throat> excuse me, out of the middle of class. And then isolated in detainment like a prisoner. It's, it's, like I said, it's horrifying. You know that. I've made myself clear on that. I I don't know what to do. A negative test should get her back into school. Cheryl, here's what I'm going to do. I want to put you on hold here. Derek is going to talk to you. Give him your phone number or your email address or something. And in the unlikely event, I don't know how many people who are attorneys who are listening right now, but in the unlikely event that an attorney heard your story and would like to investigate this with you to see if there's a legal way of getting your daughter back into class uh, without all of this, and maybe even hold the administration, which is ignoring the science of a negative test, hold them accountable for it, um, perhaps we can give them your phone number. So if you want to do that, put you on hold here. Just give us your info in case there's somebody who calls in, okay? Thank you. I'm humbly appreciative, Bob. Thank you very much. Yeah, anything I can do about something like this. Thank you for the call. All right, that's Cheryl. She's in Northeast Ohio. Doesn't want to identify the city she's in because that would probably give away the school district, and she doesn't want to, you know, uh, doesn't want to be uh, guilty of uh, libeling someone or slandering someone, rather. Um, Lawyers, seriously, if you're an attorney and you're listening and you just heard her case and her story, if you think there's something you can do to help, You don't even have to come on the air. Call off the air, talk to Derek, 
if you want her phone number or her email address to inquire, I'd be happy to facilitate that. All right. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That is now I see why Cheryl stayed on hold since the first hour <clears throat> because she had a uh, a story to tell. This is this is the mindset. Um, earlier today, I earlier in the first hour rather, I talked about the Polish priest. I was talking to Jim Jordan about this. You remember the Polish priest, right? The Polish Canadian priest. He's a Pole, but he works in Canada at a church there, and he has uh, he is. Uh, went viral he's the one he's the one who went viral for telling the police who came in to break up a church service because you know all in the name of covid-19 <coughs> excuse me in canada um they went in to break it up saying you're not allowed to be here this priest met them at the door i don't know if he got a um tip that they were coming or not but he met them at the door and he summarily dismissed them told them to get out quite literally get out uh and it was he, he was not ambiguous he was not shy he just threw them out to the point where they literally left with what looked like you know if they were dogs they would have their tails between their legs you remember this please get out get out of this property immediately get out get out of this property immediately out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 It went on like that for about two minutes and 20 seconds. You probably recall, right? Since that time, the police have come back. And again, tried to break up his church worship service in the name of COVID-19. I can't say in violation of the First Amendment, this is Canada. They don't have the U.S. Constitution. But there's still a modicum of liberty, uh, you know, in, in the, 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 uh, uh, lives of the people north of our border, of our northern border. And so twice they came in trying to end their liberties. Twice the pastor threw them out. Which brings us current now to this. The priest involved here, whose name is Father, or not Father, rather, but Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, has been arrested. They hunted him down, according to the way one reporter wrote this, like a terrorist. Police cars swarmed as he drove home from church. In the middle of a highway, they pulled him over. In the middle of the highway, they pulled him over and ordered him out of his car and made him get on his knees on the highway. This isn't a violent criminal, a suspected violent criminal. This is a priest who stood up for his congregation. And in a public display of, I can't even describe it, Gestapo-like tactics, They ordered him to his knees in the middle of a highway and arrested him, along with apparently his son, David, or Dawid, it's uh, Polowski. Again, this is Polish. Uh, Both arrested and charged with organizing an illegal in-person gathering, including inciting or inviting others to attend an illegal public gathering. It is important to understand that law enforcement recognizes, according to the police statement in Canada, 
It's important to understand that law enforcement recognizing, recognizes people's desire to participate in faith-based gatherings, as well as the right to protest. However, as we find ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic, we all must comply with public health orders to ensure <clears throat> excuse me, everyone's safety and well-being. They arrested him on his knees after following... I'm looking at pictures now that are just beyond comprehension. They have the highway blocked off as if they had just tracked down a serial killer. A man who could be dangerous to the public. They didn't pull him over to the side of the road like it's a traffic ticket. They blocked off the highway with multiple police vehicles forced him out of his car on his way home from church in his suit to, oh, to his knees where they handcuffed him and dragged him away. This is incredible. It's in Calgary, Canada. Uh, I think that's Alberta, right? Calgary, Alberta. I could be wrong. I don't know all of my cities and, cities and provinces up in Canada, but I think it's Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and he's being treated like he is some sort of a criminal. Uh, I told Jim Jordan this. I said, look, I know they don't have an American Constitution, but just to the north of our shared border, that mindset exists. And it, and it exists, that same mindset, in the hearts and in the minds of liberal Democrats on this side of the border as well. And that should make all of us concerned. We'll be right back. Okay, it's 10.57. I don't have time for calls or anything here. I, I, I want to spend one minute and six seconds of the very short time I have left giving you a quick comment from the, the pastor, Pastor Artur Pawlowski, who was arrested. This interview was after the original video came out, the viral video of him throwing the police out, not after the arrest. But an interviewer was asking him, I think it was on a podcast, why he stands up to the government in such ways. And I think this is very powerful. Please listen. The level of evil that those people uh, subjected other people to, it's unbelievable. Every year I go to Auschwitz-Birkenau just to remind myself about atrocities that a man is capable of if you don't put a check into the government and their overreach to, to you know, that's what exactly what we're seeing right now. And um, so I grew up in the stories hearing about Nazism and Adolf Hitler and what his party did. And we have to remember that everything Adolf Hitler did was legal, according to him. It was the law. You were supposed to follow the law. If you Actually, less than a minute and six seconds. Uh, that was enough. That was enough. If man doesn't put some sort of check on the government, which is what this pastor said, the control that they wield over the people is, is, is evil. It is, it is horrific. He said he goes back to Auschwitz and Birkenau every year just to remind himself of how evil people can be if they have unchecked power like the government. And I think that's what's in his mind as the police come into his church and bust up his religious service all in the name of safety or their version of safety. And so he said, no, I won't allow that. I'm going to stand up. I will put a check on what the government is allowed to do to me and my parishioners. 
that's where we're going to end it. Uh, just a, a really very important and alarming uh, a, a word from, from the pastor there, Pastor Apolowski. Uh If you think it's different north of the border than it is on our side, I think you're mistaken. Be aware, or that could be us next. Thanks for being a part of the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.